0: To the simple, to the You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel.
1: Now Barnabas had given up corona and reefer for something far more stimulating, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Barnabas had found true peace and joy and purpose in the Lord Jesus and he wanted to share it with all of his family and friends back home. In fact, this was his message no Jesus, no peace, but no Jesus and no peace. As we
0: Temptations to choose the world over God can be powerful, but have you ever thought about how your relationship with Jesus has transformed your life? In today's message, Pastor Dion discusses how Barnabas' life changed when he came to know Jesus. Worldly possessions might temporarily fill your desires, but nothing will fulfill your life like Jesus does. Only He can achieve the needs of our lives. Will you be tempted? Absolutely. Even Jesus was tempted. Put your eyes on Jesus and He'll satisfy your needs. Now let's join Pastor Dion in the book of Acts chapter 13, as he begins his message, Light to the Gentiles.
1: See, for hundreds of years, God had an exclusive relationship with the Jews. God gave the Jews temporary salvation, temporary forgiveness, you know, through sacrifice and through the temple. He had that exclusive, unique relationship with them and gave them those temporary salvation and temporary forgiveness. He was their God and they were His people. But God desired that all men be saved. In fact, the verse reads, "...for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son." Right? So God desired not just to have a relationship, a special relationship with the Jews, but God desired to have a relationship with all men. So He sent His Son. And Jesus came to make eternal, not temporary, but eternal salvation and forgiveness available for everyone, both Jew and non-Jew, or what we'd call Gentile. He came to bring that eternal forgiveness and salvation to all of us. So after Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice on the cross, He resurrected from the dead. And He commanded His disciples to take the good news over here. Everybody say where? Into all the world. So God desires this relationship, to have this relationship with everyone, sends His Son Jesus dies as a sacrifice for our sin to bin, be the bridge that links us to God the Father. And then after Jesus dies and resurrects, He says, take this message into all the world. Now, He's telling him to those who know and don't know, take this message. Now, after Jesus told His disciples that, it took seven years For Peter to finally obey. I mean, you know, he gets this wonderful message of forgiveness and salvation. Jesus sends him out and it takes seven years. Hard-headed. But finally, Peter ventured a few miles out of Jerusalem to a place called Caesarea. That was still in Israel, by the way. And Caesarea was a Roman-occupied city, and Peter ventured to that city, and there Peter preached about salvation in Jesus to a household of Romans. You know, these the Roman Gentiles that he preached to that day believed, and the Holy Spirit descended on them. It was amazing and inspiring and incredible, never done before the gospel reaching non-Jews, and the fact that God was endorsing it by, you know, having the Holy Spirit descend on them. Now, you think Peter would have continued to reach out to the rest of the Gentiles, but instead, he went back to the Jews in Jerusalem. And, you know, we can all say, ooh, forget it. Why wouldn't he go? But he didn't. But over in Syria... This was one country over on Israel's border. Over in Syria, Barnabas and Saul were teaching and coaching a whole church full of Gentiles. Romans, Syrians, Ethiopians. You see, the gospel had reached over there finally through someone else. And many people, many Gentiles were coming to know Jesus. This guy, Barnabas and Saul, were there coaching and teaching them about living a Christian life. And the church in Syria was exploding with new believers, Gentile believers in Jesus. And then the church leaders there in Syria were stirred by the Holy Spirit to expand and multiply ministry. We can't contain it all for ourselves, they said. We should get this message out to other Gentiles. And they should be applauded right there, right? So here's what they did. They sent Barnabas and Saul, the guys who were coaching and teaching them, they said, we're going to send you out as missionaries to go take this gospel to other areas. So Barnabas and Saul... Take off from Antioch, Syria, they catch a, a sailboat and they sail to the island of Cyprus. Everybody said out loud, the island of what? Cyprus. And so they, they head over to the island of Cyprus. And so they're on their way. Barnabas invited his young nephew, John Mark, to come along and assist them. Now, John Mark was Barnabas's sister's son, that was his nephew. And, you know, she was a woman, John Mark's mom, Barnabas' sister, was a woman who followed and supported Jesus' ministry back in Israel. In fact, she is the one who owned the upper room where Jesus held the Last Supper, and it was also the upper room that was owned by her that the Holy Spirit descended on all of the apostles. It was also the home where Peter or the church would gather to hear God's word and be taught and also to have prayer meetings. So her son, John Mark, is invited with the uncle, Barnabas, and Saul to go to Cyprus in this missionary venture to share the gospel with other Gentiles. Now, the reason Barnabas and Saul chose the island of Cyprus to go first was because Barnabas was from there. Barnabas was an island boy. You know what I'm saying? He grew up in Margaritaville. He did. He wore dreads and a knit hat and flip-flops and roach clips and always said, "Hey on, hey on. Barnabas was an island boy. Now Barnabas had given up Corona and reefer for something far more stimulating, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Barnabas had found true peace and joy and purpose in the Lord Jesus and he wanted to share it with all of his family and friends back home. In fact, this was his message no Jesus, no peace, but no Jesus and no peace. That was his message. So you can think like many of us who once we came and to the Lord Jesus Christ and experienced His peace and experienced His forgiveness and experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we wanted to take that to our families, our friends. We experienced a a special joy. He wanted to do the same. And he wanted to tell them, hey, listen, before there was no Jesus and no peace, but now I know Jesus and I know peace. So Paul and Barnabas, with John Mark, you know, crossed the island, sharing that Jesus is King and Savior. That in Jesus there is forgiveness and salvation and relationship with God the Father. So all over the island they shared it. And the message was well received. Even a Roman governor accepted Jesus as savior. I mean, it was impacting the island and influential people were even coming to the Lord Jesus Christ by faith because they didn't know Jesus. They hadn't seen Jesus, but it was, it was being preached and they were believing and receiving. And that's why I say don't underestimate your testimony or the power that is in the gospel. Share it. In fact, share it with, and say it this way, with what? No fear. Share it with no fear. Because the Apostle Paul later wrote and urged us like this in Romans 1.16. Read it with me. For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. So Barnabas and and Saul were sharing this message of knowing Jesus and knowing peace with the whole island, and and influential people were getting saved, and and guys, it's it's great for you to do the same thing. Now, Barnabas and Saul marched to the end of the island, a place called Pathos, and then they decided, we're going to go onward. And without fear, they decided to carry the message of Jesus towards Turkey, all right? So they're on the island, they've come from Syria, they're on the island of Cyrus, preach all over the island, and now they decide, we're going to, we've seen some wonderful things, we're going to take this gospel into Turkey. So let's read it, chapter 13 of the book of Acts, in verse 13. Now when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and that's in Turkey, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia, that's a city in Turkey, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them, saying, Men and brethren, if you have any words of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen." So here's what Paul does. He preaches. He gets up and he preaches. Now let's follow through. A transition happened right here. We saw at the very beginning of the verse, it says Barnabas and Saul became Paul and his party. Now see, Saul was half Roman and half Jew. Saul was his Jewish name and Paul was his Roman name. And since you know they were in Gentile country, and since the Gentiles considered Jews snobbish, arrogant, and legalistic, Saul figured his Roman name would be more relatable to those people. So you know he's got a Jewish name, but you know people look at him like, "Who? What's your name?" Oh, oh he's one of those, right? But if he said, "No, my name, my name's Paul." Oh, oh, they recognize it's more relatable. So. For the rest of his life and ministry, Saul, in the story, will be known as Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. It's pretty cool. Now, John Mark, you noticed also in the passage we read, didn't continue with Uncle Barnabas and Saul. He punked out. He punked out. It could have been that John Mark was a mama's boy. You know, never left the shadow of his mom's apron. This was the first time. And mama wasn't there to make him a sandwich or tuck him in or kiss his boo-boo. You know, he wasn't chicken. He just had hen house ways, as they say in West Texas. Or maybe he was a chicken. You know, John Mark might have gotten spooked after they encountered that evil sorcerer in Paphos. You know, he's, he might Mark, John Mark might still be shivering like a dog trying to pass a peach seed. You know, so scared. John Mark might have been like that little boy who was afraid of the dark. One night, his mother told him to go out in the back porch and bring her the broom. And the little boy looked at his mother and said, Mama, I don't want to go out there. It's dark. The mother smiled at him reassuringly and said, Son, you don't have to be afraid of the dark. Jesus is out there. He'll look after you. He'll protect you. The little boy looked at his mother and said, are you sure? She said, yes. And he said, okay. The little boy cracked the door a little and looked out in the darkness. And then he said, Jesus, if you're out there, pass me the broom. John, Mark, you don't have to be afraid, man. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. But whatever the reason, mama's boy or chicken, John Mark decided not to head back to Jerusalem. He bailed on them. We'll find out later that Paul was pretty upset about it. You see, punking out of ministry leaves a heavier load on the leader. And nevertheless, Paul and his party hit the ground in Turkey. And as we read, they made their way to the Jewish synagogue. Say it out loud to where? The Jewish synagogue. Now, wait a minute. Jews in Turkey? I mean, seriously? Listen, Jews were just about everywhere because of the Old Testament dispersion. In the Old Testament, you remember, Assyria conquered northern Israel. Babylon conquered southern Israel. They displaced all of these Jews. They took them away as captives. It was called the diaspora. They were spread out throughout all of the globe and reigning conquerors and reigning kingdoms, you know, just kept, you know, taking them on. So they were everywhere. And see, so there's these Jews who are in Turkey and these Jews hadn't heard or known about Jesus. They're too far removed from, from, from what happened. And so Paul had this rule. Paul had a rule, share the good news with the Jews first. That was always his rule. So the one place he knew he would find Jews was at the synagogue on the Sabbath day. So when they got to Cyprus, that's the first place they went. When they got over to Turkey, he figured the Jews have to hear it first, so I'm going to go to the synagogue. That's the place I'm going to find Jews. So he went there on the Sabbath. And as they sat down for the service after the usual music and reading part of the synagogue service, it was customary to ask visiting rabbis to share from the scriptures. So they asked, would you like to share? We read it. Paul took the opportunity and shared about Jesus. Paul started with all the Old Testament prophecies that predicted the Messiah, Paul established that Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. Over 300 prophecies Jesus fulfilled. And as if 100% accuracy of the fulfillment of prophecy wasn't enough, Paul said, God raised Jesus from the dead. Now I'm going to read the last portion of Paul's sermon of what he shared with them that day, but I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. Here's what he says. Paul, this is the last portion of his message. Brothers, you sons of Abraham and also you God-fearing Gentiles, this message of salvation has been sent to us. The people in Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize Jesus as one of the prophets had spoken about. Instead, they condemned Him. And in doing this, they fulfilled the prophet's, words that are read every Sabbath. They found no legal reason to execute him, but they asked Pilate to have him killed anyway. When they had done all that the prophecy said about him, they took him down from the cross and placed him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And over a period of many days, he appeared to those who had gone out with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to the people of Israel. And now we're here to bring you this good news. The promise was made to our ancestors and God has now fulfilled it for us, their descendants, by raising Jesus. This is what the second psalm says about Jesus. You are my son. Today I have become your father. For God has promised to raise him from the dead, not leaving him to rot in the grave. He said, I will give you the sacred blessings. I promised to David. Another psalm explains it more fully. You will not allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. This is not a reference to David, for after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried and is with us. His bones are still here and his body's decayed. No, it was a reference to someone else. Someone who God raised and whose body did not decay. Brothers, listen. We're here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is declared right with God, something the law of Moses could never do. Be careful, don't let the prophet's words apply to you, for they said, look you mockers, be amazed and die. For I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. So Peter preached this sermon, talked about all the prophecies and how Jesus fulfilled them, and then talked about how God raised Jesus from the dead and that in Him is forgiveness. Paul declared to them that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God's way of salvation for every man and that whosoever believes in Him will be saved. No works, no water, and no wafers needed. None. No. Salvation is by grace through faith. That's what he said. Alone, yeah. Now, Paul closed that sermon, you read it, pleading with the audience. He said, I know it sounds unbelievable. I mean, they were far removed from it. They didn't know what had happened. They probably hadn't even heard about Jesus. So it sounded unbelievable to them that God raised someone from the dead, that he fulfilled the 300 prophecies and that God raised him from the dead. I mean, that was unbelievable. So Paul says, I know it sounds unbelievable, but don't dismiss it. God himself said that he would do an incredible, unbelievable work and Jesus is it. Don't pass him up is what Paul said. It's awesome. Now, you would think, because that was a pretty fiery sermon, wouldn't you say? I, I, I mean, you'd think that with that kind of unction in the pulpit, there would be all kinds of action in the pews. But that's not always what happens. Some people's wood is wet. Watch what happens. Let's read from verse 42. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, they just left. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And then on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. And contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Paul preaches, and you'd think that, like I said, with that kind of unction in the pulpit, there'd be lots of action in the pew, a lot of people raising their hands to believe in Jesus. But it said some of the Jews went home. They were indifferent. They were unmoved by the message. The message didn't affect them uh, in the least i mean they were probably the kind of people who say you know thank god it's over then it did mention that there were other jews who lingered and pondered the things that paul said explain this to me a little more so paul and barnabas persuaded them to continue in the grace of god to believe and receive this jesus that he was talking about
0: As we cling to the Our time with you is coming to an end today on The Simple Truth, but we're so glad that you joined us for Pastor Dion's teaching in the Book of Acts. There's much more to learn from the life of the early church, so we hope you'll tune in again. If you're listening in the Española area right now, we would like to extend an invitation to you. Come join us for our weekly services at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. Come by at 9 or 11 a.m. to spend time with us in worship, Bible study, and fellowship. We also meet on Wednesday evenings for a Bible study at 7 and Saturday evenings at 6.30. You'll find directions and more information about Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel when you visit tmcalvary.com. If you can't make it in person, you can still join us virtually through Facebook Live. Just follow the link to our Facebook page at tmcalvary.com and tune in this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. While you're at our website, you'll also be able to access our archive of previous teachings on various books of the Bible by Pastor Dion. Just click on sermons at the top of the page to open our audio archive or visit our YouTube page to experience the service through video. Feel free to share these links with anyone in your life that you think might benefit from hearing the simple truth of God's Word. We're so glad that you joined us today on The Simple Truth. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Acts and discover more about the disciples and how the early church got started. Then join us next time for Pastor Dion's continuing verse-by-verse study right here on The Simple Truth. You're the one that we proclaim We'll be fools for you as you work in us May your power show in the deeds we sow Let us draw our hands and together we stand